So we're in the middle of a tangent from different things that Ula said over in the name of Rabbi Lazar. So the particular tangent that we're in the middle of is whether or not slaves have the status of metaltalin, like movable property, or the status of real estate. And the big practical difference is that whether or not there's a lien on them. Like if, let's say, um, someone passes away and he owes money, and then he leaves slaves to his uh, orphans, can the debtor, uh, can the creditor come along and collect from those slaves or not? So the Gemara was basically saying that there was a uh, dispute about this point. So now the Gemara, we're starting from three lines down. The judges of Narda, they collected the slaves as a payment from the orphans. So they must have held, it was Kamakarki. There was also a story in the town of Pumtisa, where Rabchana Barbizna collected the slaves as payment. When Rabchana heard about this, he said, Zila Haduru, go return them. Go return the slaves, meaning it was incorrect. If you don't do that, and I'm going to collect your mansions and uh, repay the orphans with them. So meaning to say, he was talking to these big evil creditors, and he was saying, if you don't do what's right and what's just, and you don't return the slaves to the orphans, I'll take away your very mansions, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll give them to the, uh, I'll give them to the, to the, to the orphans. Continues the Gemara. Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi says Rabbi Nachman, Ula Hada Ula. The statement from from Ula Hada Rabbi Lazar is Rabbi Lazar. Don't know Don't know. We had the judges in our da. Rabbi Chana Bar Bizna. Now we have Rabbi Chana Bar Bizna. Everyone, we keep on telling us that that the slaves are considered like land. So what's what's the pshat over here? In Rav Nachman's opinion, Mark, who do you hold like? What is there, why do you think there's any dissenting view that it's like movable? So Rav Nachman said, you know what? I know one thing. I know a b'raitha. Avimi said, What's the halacha? Prusbo, we know it's the way of circumventing the, um, the halacha that, that the end of the Shemitah year cancels all loans. So what you do is you give over your Star Wars to Bastin, and then Bateson is collecting it on your behalf. It's interesting. Lambda is the way it works. But anyway, it, it has to be only for a debt which is secured by land. If, if it was not secured by land, so then it doesn't, uh, it doesn't work. And the reason is, is because Rashi here explains that the idea is that Prisbal says that the lender has the right to collect it whenever he wants. And that's kind of the whole point is that when there's land, it's always around. You know, it's like there's no way that the, that, that the debt can ever move. It can never go anywhere. So the halacha is that the takana drabana, that you can write a Prisbal and collect even after Shemitah, is only if the debt had a lien on land. It cannot take effect on a debt that was secured by slave. Ooh, so there we go. We see that a slave is not tantamount to, to real estate. And even though real estate can contain a lien, but the, the, the slave cannot, according to this price, another halacha, movables can be acquired together with land. We're familiar with that halacha. We learned in Masechus Kedushin Dav Chavav, Kenyan Agav. Kenyan Agav means that if a person is primarily making a Kenyan on real estate, and they want to throw in that together with this Kenyan on the real estate, movables should also be acquired. So even though you don't make a separate Kenyan on the movables, it works. It's Kenyan Agav, the Karka, which is working. Fascinating thing. It's like, Bundling a Kenyan together, two items together in one Misa Kenyan. So that works that the Kenyan and the Karka is Chal for the Metalfa. So Metalfalim, Nikhtim, and Makarka. Movables could be acquired together with the land. Bain and Nikhtim, not Vadim, but they can't be acquired together with slaves. What's the Pshad? Because a slave must not be like a piece of land. So therefore, it's not subject to the law of Kenyan Agav. So what do we see over here? That from these, from both of those halachas, that slaves are considered like movable item. That was the reason that Rabbi Nachman says that you can't collect it from orphans. So it seems at this point it's just a uh, dispute. Why don't we say that this dispute of Nachman and Ula, we're going to bring this to Machlokas and Tanan. One price that says, when someone sold a buyer, slaves and land. And the person made a kin on the slaves, he has not acquired uh, the land. 
So just to understand that, that doesn't mean anything, right? Because even, even Kenyan Agav that works with land is only land that's going to movable. So there's no halacha of Kenyan Agav that land could be acquired with land. So even if you would say that the slave is like land, it's not going to be able to, to affect that there would be a Kenyan on the land as well. The car calls, If somebody made a Kenyan on the land and he's trying to bundle together with slaves, he has not acquired the slaves. Pashtus, you would say, this sounds like Avadim are, 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 are like Karka. If you purchase land and movable property, as soon as you did a Kenyan on the Karka, automatically you acquire the movables. That's Kenyan Agav. The other way around, the inverse from Metalton, low Kana Karka. If you did a Kenyan on the movables, you have not acquired the land. Right? Agav is only one way. Agav only works if you're going to the Karka, then, then you own the Metalton. It doesn't work if you make a Kenyan on the Metalton, so you go to the Karka. Now, let's say you're being coined as slaves and movables. If you do a Kenyan on the slaves, he has not acquired the movables. So this is going to be interesting. It sounds like this is getting confusing here because here it sounds like it's not Lakarka. But Metatlum, if you if you do a Kenyan Metatlum, you have not acquired the slaves. So here it seems to say that the slaves are treated like movables because the one thing that it says is that the acquisition of slave does not acquire the movables. So in other words, from that line in the of the Brisa. We're bringing out that 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 slaves are not considered like karka from the line that says that that being kona slaves does not acquire movables. The obvious problem with that is is that if you want to take away that it's like movable, so then how come when I'm when I'm being kona uh, a property and avadim and I make a kenyan on the, on the on the property, I'm not kona the avadim. So that we still have to see. But I'll upon him from this price that said if I make a kenyan on slaves, I'm not going to metalkalim. From that line, it sounds like avadim are like movables, not real estate. But a different price that says, Someone's being coined as slaves and movables, and they make a kenyan on the, on the slaves. You have acquired the movables. So clearly we see it is real estate. The first price holds that slaves are considered... I'm sorry, the second price uh, holds that slaves are considered like land. That's why the Kenyan on the slaves affects the, uh, the movables. The first price holds of Adam is Kematatlam, and that's why it doesn't work. Says the Gemara, No, actually, both prices hold that slaves are treated like land. So the, 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 the second price uh, obviously makes sense. That's why you could have Kenyan Aga for, for Metalsam on it. But what's the Pshad in the first price of Altanya Kanashapir, right? That price that says that the Kenyan on the movables comes Agav, the, the Avadim is good. Altanya Loka, that first price that says you haven't been coded the movables, but Inyan Karka Dumidu Arim Maturus In order to make Kenyan Agav, it's, until now we've just been assuming it has to be real estate. The Gemara says no. It has to be a very specific type of real estate, like a fortified city in the town of Yehuda, to loan Naidi, which does that move. The point that the Gemara is bringing is that if you look at the Pasuk, which describes Kenyan Agav, where we get the whole thing from, the movables acquired together, it says, with fortified cities of Yehuda. So the town of the first Brisa therefore holds that even though slaves are like Karka, but since they're not like fortified cities in, in, in Yehuda, therefore they cannot affect the Kenyan Agav. So what we're realizing now is that the question whether slaves are like Karka or not might not be the same for every, 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 every area of Halacha. In regard to a lean Yes, that might be like a karka, and you could collect them away from the slaves. And you collect them away from orphans. But in regard to knowing, is there Kenyan Agav, that if I make a Kenyan on a slave, I can be Konam and that first price, it may hold that it cannot, even if it is like karka, since it's not like the source of Kenyan Agav, where it says fortified cities in Yehuda that don't move, so then it can't affect Kenyan Agav. And now the Gemara brings us that that Pasuk is important. It's not as it says in the Mishnah, Move over property can be nicked together with real property. Because of Whatever Kenyan I do on the, on the Karka, if it's money, a document, or a Chazak on the land, then I could be calling with movables with him. And immediately, what is the Pasuk that shows that? Amar Chizki, Amar Kavit, Avim, Matanos, Rabos. 
The father gave them many gifts, of gold and silver, ulumikdanos and delicacies, im together with fortified cities in Yehuda. So the Pasuk sounds like that the movable gifts were nicked him automatically together with the cities. So the town of the first bride so holds that the movables are only nicked up with something that's like a city, not just like anything that is the din of Karka. You need more. You need something that doesn't move like a fortified city. So therefore the slaves, even if they are like Karka, and there is a lean on them, and you would collect them away from orphans, but they cannot affect the Kenyan Adav. So it actually has been amazing because now we understand that first price. Slaves are like Karka, so 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 they're not going to be nicked with with with, with Karka, but they're also not going to affect the Kenyan Adav because they're not like the fortified cities in Yehuda. Says the Gemara, second approach. Actually, it could be that all the all the all the Tanam agree that slaves are like movable property. So the price that tells us that if someone brought slaves and movables. Is not acquired the movables. That's the first bride saw. That's very that's very much understood because since slaves are like movables, so when I they can't affect the kinyanaga. But the second bride saw that says he has acquired the movables. What's the shot? But oh, done all love. It's talking about when the metaltalim were literally physically located on the slaves. So the reason it's working now to get this clear is that it's not a kinyanaga. The second bride saw is talking about a kinyan chaser. Kinyan chaser is that when something is located on the property. Then it could be Kona because when you Kona property, you could be Kona the property in something that's located on it. That's not Kenyan Agav. Kenyan Agav is I bundle together um, a, a, a Karka and a Metathlam, and I say wherever the Metathlam is, when I, once I make a Kenyan on the, on, the, on the land, automatically the movables are acquired wherever they are. That a slave can't do. We're saying a slave is like Metathlam. When we're saying in the second Brisa that the movables were acquired, it means the movables were physically located on the slave. So the slave is functioning like the courtyard now of the buyer. And the pshat is that he's being cornered the slave and the thing which is physically located on the slave, and it's the mechanism of a kinyan chazer. It says the gemara v'chidol dem alav mayhave. How does that work? Chazer malachas. It's a it's a chazer which is moving. Chazer malachas lokana. A moving courtyard cannot affect a kinyan. So this is we have sources for this, but a chazer has to be something which is like a hand, which is stationary, which stays in its place. It can't it can't go off somewhere else. The way the chazer works is an extension of you. So something which moves around at its own will, like a slave, can't be your chazer. We're talking about this. The slave was standing still. Anything that if it were moving, it wouldn't be kona. Then even when it's standing or sitting, it cannot be kona. Right? The point is not that it is technically moving. The point is that it's something which could move in its own to its own will. So something like a slave cannot cannot be a kenyan of a of, of a chater. So what are we saying? Shout on the second price says kenyan chater. Says We're talking about when the slave was bound up. So if he's bound up, he cannot move. So in the moment when he cannot move. So then it actually makes sense. He cannot move, so then he has the ability of making a Kenyan Chatzah. Says the Gemara, now we're going to get a third price, huh? But Tanya says in a third price, Someone was, was purchasing land and slaves, and he made a Kenyan on the land, he has acquired the slaves. So this is against the first price. The first price, it says that, that even if someone was making a Kenyan on the, on, on, that even though we, and that's why it was such a chizik, because we came out that the first price are really old, that Avadim were like movables now, and still we said that they're not Nikim Agav Karka. Now we get a third price that says that someone who makes a Kenyan on the Karka and bundles together slaves is going to the slaves. The third bride of the slaves were standing in the field, and therefore they were acquired along with the field because they were on the field. Says the Gemara, let's try to understand that. The cloud, the Ilo Kanushi, must be that the first bride that says that the slaves are not nicknamed with the field is when they were not standing on the field. 
It's good if you say that they're like movables, which was the second interpretation. Then we could understand that it's only going to work if the slaves are standing in the field, but if not, they are not, they are not going to work. And the reason the Gemara understands it, the Gemara thinks right now, listen to this, that Kenyan Agav only works if the thing is located on, the, on, the, on it. Now the Gemara is going to reject that very quickly. Kenyan Agav works for the movables even if it's not on it. But that's what the Gemara is thinking for this second. So now we can understand that if it's standing on it in, in Ilolo, it's not going to work. The first price is talking about it's not on it. Therefore, the Kenyan Aga won't work. The second price is talking about that it is on it and it could work. And you don't even need Kenyan Chatzar. It could just be Kenyan Aga. But according to the first approach, that slaves were regarded like land. That was the first approach that we gave. Just they can't make the Kenyan Aga because they're not like the Ari Batsuris and Yehuda. Lovely on the Mazoka, then have come the slaves have to be on the field to become acquired in the third price. So Amr Shmuel, what did Shmuel say? Machalo Esther saw this So someone sell, sell, sells ten fields in, that are in ten different low country, countries. He bundles them all together. One big real estate gigantic deal on ten fields located on different premises. If the buyer makes the Kenyan on one Kanakulan, he has acquired all of them. There's a unique halacha. It's, 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 it's interesting. It's not Kenyan Agav at all. It's not, it's not Karka Metatlam. It's actually different pieces of real estate. But the idea is that all pieces of real estate in some level are all connected. Right? All, all land is connected on some level. And therefore, we say that the Kenyan on one can affect for, um, can, can, take, can take for all of them because it's like you did a Kenyan on the portion of the big land you're buying, even though you're really buying 10 separate locations in 10 separate places. So therefore, we're asking that if even widely separated lands can be acquired together, and we say that Avod are like Karka. So how come we need the slave to be standing on the field, like the third price for it to be nicknamed? Even in the first price, if it's not standing on it, it should work. So let's just pause for a second and try to understand where we are. No other, the Gemara is trying to say everything would be good if Avodim are like movables. Then we can be good. The first price will tell us that if you make a Kenyan on Karka, you're not going to the slaves. That's going to be the slaves were not located on it. And the first price of my old, you don't have Kenyan Agav unless the Metalchum is located on the on the premises of the Karka, which the Gemara will reject, but that's where the Gemara is going to work right now. Then we then we could understand everything will be good. Um, and we can understand the third bride said that if I'm being Kona Karka and Avadim, and I make a Kenyan on the Karka, then Avadim are nicknames where the slave is on the field. Everything would be good. But if you tell me, if you tell me that Avadim, are like a karka. So what in the world is a pshat in the first price? Oh, that if I'm kona the, the karka, I'm not kona the avadim with it. Why not? Isn't there a lot of shmuel that if I'm selling, selling ten different pieces of real estate, I'm going to kona one, the Kenya works for all of that. It says the Gemara, according to your reason, you were assuming that if slaves are like metalzalim, then it has to be on it. It's not true. Why do they have to be on the field? And when we learn Kedushin, we learn that Kenyan Agav does not require the metalzalim to be piled up on the land in order to be nikna. It's not true. The movables can be anywhere in the world and they can be bundled together with Karka and the Kenyan on the Karka is able to affect for slaves. So now we're going to be stuck in that first price. If you hold that Avadim are like movables, why in the world are they not being nicknamed together with the Karka? What are you going to say to explain why the slaves have to be in the field? You have to say there's a difference between movables that, that, that can move themselves versus movables that don't move themselves. Meaning all movables move, but there are certain movables that move themselves and certain movables that, that are only moved if other people move them. A slave is a movable that moves itself. 
So since it moves itself, even if, though it is metallic, then the metal, the Kenyan cannot work unless it is standing on it. In other words, the point is slaves have their own intelligence. So therefore, they, 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 they have this like unique state to themselves. So unless they're literally standing on the karka, Kenyan Agav won't help on them. Even though slaves are considered like movable, it's not like real estate on this position. But since they move to their own, they beat to their own, drum over here. They do whatever they want. So we say that they can't be nicked the Agav Karka unless they're standing on the Karka. So, so the first prize is going to be talking about that they were off the Karka. So if you make a Kenyan on the Karka, the slaves are not nicked um, because they're not standing on it. But the third prize is talking about that they were on it, on the Karka, and therefore it could work. So the same way you have to say that to defend the opinion that Avdi, that Avdi, when its slaves were movables, Achanami, I can make a distinction. If, even if you hold that they were like Karka, so what was your question? If they're like Karka, so then, so then, so then if they don't make a Kenyan Agav, it's not God, it's not like Arbitzu's Biyuda, but how come they're not nicknamed Agav, Agav, the, the lands, in the sense that if I make the real estate deal on 10 lands and all of them are nicknamed also, Achanami, Shanami, Karka, denied the Karka, it's the difference between land that moves and land that doesn't move. Shmuel's halacha, that if the 10 lands in 10 different places, your Nakona, all of them, is only for land that doesn't move. But slaves are lands that can move themselves. And therefore, it's hard to say that the Kenyan I make on one is going to, going to have the slave as well. The mass of the earth is one big single entity, and therefore the Kenyan on one helps for all of them. So therefore, we do need the slave to be standing on the land, even if the slave is like real estate, in order for it to be like uh, seen up together with the land that the Kenyan is happening on. So let me try to make a sequel here because this was a pretty complex onion. One thing that's absolutely clear is that there is a dispute if slaves are like movables or if slaves are like real estate. The chief difference, the main difference in our Sikyo about that question is whether a lien can take effect on a slave. The practical case where that matters is if, if, if a debtor dies and he leaves, he doesn't leave cash here to, to pay it back, but he leaves slaves that go to the orphans. Can the creditor take it away from the orphans? If, if the slaves are like are like are, are like movables, he cannot. If they're like real estate, then he could. That's the main the main difference that we have. Now, there's other halachas, very interesting halachas. Normally, when you're kona you need a kinyan. So there's a halacha called kinyan agav. When I'm kona real estate, metaflin can become nikna as well. We learned that from a pasuk where the father gave movables and fortified cities in Yehuda. So you might think that whether or not slaves can affect Kenyan Agav should be telling that. You might think, but Lamaise the Gemara told us it's not Muchach. It could be that slaves, even if they're real estate, they might not be able to affect the Kenyan Agav because they're not like fortified cities in Yehuda. So that's not a practical difference. Now, in general, for Kenyan Agav, just in general rule, the halacha is that we, the Gemara was back and forth on this, but we come out, the movables do not have to be located on the actual premises of the land for it to work. It does not generally have to work. If slaves are like movables, then you would expect them, therefore, to be nicknamed Agav, Kaka, whatever they are. Lamaisa, the Gemara, came out to defend the first prize on one position. For slaves, it is different. Slaves, since they move to, by themselves, wherever they want, they have their own intelligence. Even if they are like movables, according to that position, they cannot be nicknamed Agav, Kaka, unless they're standing on the land itself. Okay, that's another important point. Then we have a third halacha, which is that all of the world is one mass of land. And therefore, if you're selling 10 real estate and you make a Kenyan on one land and one the deal, you could be calling out all the other ones in the deal together with it. That's a halacha b'shem shmuel. If slaves are like land, you would expect them that if I do a deal that has land and a slave, if it's like land, it should work with that. The Gemara tells us it doesn't work unless the slave is on the land. And the reason is because since, again, it moves by itself, it's hard to see it connected to the land. It's not like a single mass. Unless it's on the land, then it will 
not end up working. And there's a, a, another halacha called kinyan chatzer, when something is a courtyard, something that could move cannot function as a courtyard, but there is a halacha that if a slave is tied up and it's holding movables, so then it can work irrespective of whether a slave is like movables or, or like or like, um, or like real estate, just simply because it's a tied up entity, it's going to end up being like a chatzer. That's pretty much a sikum, this whole complex Indian, if slaves are like movables or like real estate. Okay. Now we start a new sukya. Let's just understand a little bit. There's a halacha called me'ila, right? Me'ila is certain, is that you can't benefit from the base of Mekdash. If you do benefit, there's a unique halacha that the hektish, um, it actually loses its kedusha, but the, the one who benefited from the hektish has to pay back, back to the base of Mekdash plus a fifth and bring a carbon. It's like a very unique thing, the parasha of me'ila. Now, not everything has me'ila. It says in the Pasuk, mi'katshe Hashem. Kachi Hashem means the holy things that are only for Hashem. So what's that? Like for example, a kachi kachim, a carbon ola, where the where where it goes completely to Hashem, for example, that's clearly going to be kachi Hashem. Or kachi by the kavais. Kachi by the kavais are things that are just completely owned for their money to Hashem. That's kachi Hashem as well. But what's complicated is that there's something called kachim kalim. Kachim kalim are not subject to me'ila. Let's understand that. Kachim kalim is let's say like a carbon shlamim, carbon vachar, carbon miser, where the meat goes back and is eaten by the an, by the owner of the animal. So when you bring a carbon, if you think about it, if you're donating a shlamim, you're not really fully giving it to Hashem. You're, you have an animal, it's got a lot of meat that's going to come back to you and you're going to eat. But what's, yeah, there are going to be parts of the carbon after it's slaughtered which are going to go on the Mizbech and be burned and the blood will be thrown on the Mizbech. So it's kind of yours still. It's kind of yours. You've sanctified it, it has Kedusha, but the meat is still coming back to you. So Kachim Kalim are not called Kachay Hashem. There's no Me'ilah. It's forbidden to benefit from Kachim Kalim. It's still holy, but there's no parsha of Me'ilah there's no parasha of Me'ila by Kadashim Kalim. Now, there's an interesting thing here. Who is the owner? Who is the owner of Kachim Kalim? So this is a huge dispute that we're going to learn. One way of saying it, Lamai says holy. Parts of it are going to go to the Mizbeach. You're not the owner. You sanctified it as God's. Yes, the meat afterwards will come back to you, but you're not the owner of the animal now. If you try to betroth the woman with it, for example, she wouldn't be betrothed. You're not the owner of a Kachim Kalim. You're not the owner of a, of a carbon Shlaman. There's a very famous opinion of Rabbi Yossi Aglili, which we will explore, who says, no, Kachim Kalim, Mamun Bailamu. Kachim Kalim, since you still retain that ownership of the meat, it is yours. You are the owner. If you makadash a woman with it, she is betrothed. Yes, afterwards we'll split it up and, and the parts of it will go to Hashem. But the real entity, the animal, still stands as your animal. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yossi. So now, our Mishnah said that a person is liable for damages, only for types of properties that don't have me'ila. So the Gemara makes, in other words, and the main point of that is that if you damage something that belongs to the Beis HaMikdash, what's the halacha? You're potter. You don't pay back the Beis HaMikdash. You're only high for damages to regular commoners. You're not high for damages to the Beis HaMikdash. So the Gemara makes an inference. It sounds like you're talking about holy things that don't have me'ila, but ha-mikdash kachi, they're still holy. Meaning the Mishnah didn't say nachasim that aren't holy. The Mishnah said nachasim that don't have me'ila. It sounds like we are referring even to things that are holy, but since they're not subject to me'ila... So then you're liable for damages. So what's going on? The mission is alluding to this, this uh, uh, vague state of Kachim Kalim. We're going like Rabbi Yisak, the Kachim Kalim are considered the property of the owner. So in other words, as follows. If my ox gores your carbon shlamin, and do I have to pay or not? The answer is, it depends. Who owns that carbon shlamin? If you're the owner, you're personal, you're the owner, then I have to pay. But if Hashem is the owner, I don't have to pay. So we're going like Rabbi Yosef Lili, and Rabbi Yosef Lili holds anything that doesn't have Me'ila, you're the owner. So even though it's holy, even though it's a carbon shlamin, but if it's not subject to Me'ila, it's Kadashim Kalim because the meat is still yours, it's coming back to you. According to Rabbi Yosef Lili, the owner is the private, the, the owner still is the private owner of it. 
not Hashem, but rather the owner. Therefore, for damages, someone's carbon shlamim, I'm going to have to pay. That's what the Mishnah was alluding to. Because if, if you didn't know liquor, least the carbon shlamim might also be potter, then let the Mishnah even say if it, has, if it doesn't have me'ila, anything that's holy. Where is this review? It's like the Tanya. The case of the, uh, the, that the Torah is looking at is someone who False, like, uh, f- who, who, who swears falsely, he's denying a monetary claim. So the Pasuk says, Hashem. He's doing a treachery against Hashem by lying. The Rabbis Kashim Kalim Shemamon is coming to tell us that even if he, by Kashim Kalim, if he makes a false oath, of, oath about it, it's the property of the, uh, it's considered the property of the owners. In other words, someone swears falsely about Kaddish property. Um, that's the question. Is, is he chayv or potter? So it depends if it's his property. So Rabbi Yosei Hagli is expounding that Kachim Kalim is his property. We have a big problem. It says in a Mishnah, We actually have this Mishnah in Kedushin. Someone who's Makadesh, a woman with, 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 with his chilek, his portion of a carbon, whether it's Kachim Kalim or Kachim Kalim, the woman's not betrothed. What's the pshat? Because even though you get a portion, even though you eat the meat, it's not... Yours, you have a right to eat it, but you don't own it. We see it's not like Rabbi Yosef Lili. Why? We just explained. Rabbi Yosef Lili holds Kachim Kalim are the property of, of the one who possesses them. So if someone's Makadish with his portion of Kachim Kalim, the woman should be Makudesha. So the Mishnah that says not must be not like Rabbi Yosef Lili. Now that's not like the end of the problem. I mean, Rabbi Yosef Lili is a Tana. It might be that the Mishnah is not like him. But the Gemara is exploring to figure out whether the Mishnah is not like Rabbi Yosef Lili. Here we're saying it's like Rabbi Yisraeli, you're the owner. So what's with that Mishnah? Zok the Gemara, big lumpus. I feel the Rabbi Yisraeli. Ki Amar Rabbi Yisraeli. Where does Rabbi Yisraeli say Kachim Kalim are the are the property of the possessor? Mechai, and that's why the animal is alive. Lachar Shchita. What happens once you shechle Rabbi Yisraeli? Moda Rabbi Yisraeli admits that it's no longer the property of the possessor. What happens is is that the Kohanim and the owner, even when they get the meat back, they're getting it back from Hashem's table. So let's understand the lumpus here. We're saying when it's alive, the owner is still the, the one who possesses it is the owner. But once it's shechted, now even when you get the meat back, whether you're a coin or a Yisrael, that halacha is that it's not your possession. It's considered Hashem's meat that He's allowing you to have. It's a very hard lumpus. Like what's what's the vart? So there's a fascinating Rashi. Rashi explains that we're switching really the vart of Rabbi Yisrael. Rashi is very concise. Rashi says mechayim shachrayis huolaf. Meaning the idea is, is that when the animal is still alive, it's my responsibility to give it over to Hashem. There's many different ways Allah Chaim understands it, but let me just say over one Mahalach Rashi, is that you haven't yet given it over. That's the idea. By Kachim Kalim, the Kachim Kalim, the tribes, I'm going to give it over still to Hashem. I still remember, the meat's coming back to me, and I'm the owner, and I'm going yet to give it to Hashem. Rabbi Yisrael says, until you shechted it, until it's not considered fully to Hashem, and therefore you're considered the possessor, is considered the owner. If someone would damage it, you would get the property. You would get the money. But after you shechted it, it's completely for Hashem at that point. I, Hashem, lets the Kohen eat the meat, and the Yisrael eat the meat. That Hashem is just allowing us to eat from his table. But we don't possess, have a sense of ownership over what we possess, and therefore if a man would betroth the woman with that meat, she would not be Mekodesh. So the Mishra Kedushin is talking about Achash Someone's Makadash, one with the meat, in Makadash. But our mission was talking about if someone would damage the Shlamim animal while the animal was still alive. So there it would be considered owned by the owner and they would have to pay. Is it one whole mitzvah that in the fact that you need to eat it to complete the entire process? You don't really. It's really separate. It's a separate mitzvah. It really is. I mean, there is a mitzvah of Achil Kamen, but it's different. It's different. Really, the, the giving over to Hashem is in, is in the main avoda. Fine. So now, what are we coming out? The Mechayim. While it's alive, that's the case where Rabbi Yosef says, when it's alive, that you're the owner. 
Is it true that while the animal is alive, it's still considered the property of the one who possesses it? And the, the point that we're going to bring out here is that the Gemara answered, the Gemara made a distinction between alive and dead. It sounds like any time it's alive, Rabbi Yosei holds you the owner. And, and what we're going to explore now is that what if they are fit to be sacrificed? In other words, the Gemara is mashma up and tonal, even if they're fit to be sacrificed. But until you start that avod, the Rabbi Yosef Aglili is saying you're the owner. It's only lachar shchita that Rabbi Yosef Aglili holds that you lose the sense of ownership. But the Gemara is going to try to explore is that maybe no. Even maybe the whole Rabbi Yosef Aglili was only on things that were not fit for sacrifice. Kachim Kalim, that for some reason weren't fit for sacrifice. But if it was a fit for sacrifice, maybe Rabbi Yosef Aglili would agree you're not the owner when it's alive. It sounds like we didn't say it that way, right? I'm just speaking out the Gemara to set it up. It sounds like we didn't say that. We said whenever it's alive, then Rabbi Yosef Aglili will, will hold that you're the owner. Is that true? We learned in a Mishnah. Bechar. So here we're talking about a carbon Bechar. Remember, what's a Bechar? A Bechar is a firstborn animal born. So hopefully you bring it as a carbon and you give it to the Kohen. If it get develops a blemish, what's the halacha? You give it to the Kohen and the Kohen makes a barbecue in his backyard. One more introduction is that a Bechar is only brought from Israel. Bechar outside of Israel, you just wait for it to get a moment and give it to the Kohen. It's not fit for Akrava. So it says in the Mishnah, It could be sold by the Kohen if it's, even when it's unblemished and it's alive. So meaning it's considered the coins, you know, Mamash's money. He could sell it to another coin. So it's a fascinating thing. He has a sense of ownership. Meaning I give the Manus Kuna, I give the Bukhar over to, to the coin. The coin has the right to sell it. If it's blemished, then it's true if it's alive or after it has been slaughtered. Meaning even if it had a mom and it got slaughtered, that's the right thing. You could sell the meat as well. The Kohen can use it to be Makadash a woman. Now, Bachar is Kachim Kalam. Great. But what are we saying over here? We're saying that it's Mamish the Kohen's property and we see in the ratio even when it was alive. It's the Kohen's property. He could sell it. So Rav Nachman said, No, it's not in the time when you could bring a carbon Bechar. This Mishnah is only taught that you could sell a live Bechar when it's nowadays. We don't have a base to make that we can't bring it. Then we say, The Kohenim have monetary rights on them. If the base was standing and it's fit to be brought, the Kohen is not able to say it. Meaning Rav Nachman is making a huge point. If it's fit to be sacrificed on the Mishnah, you don't have monetary rights on it. You don't have monetary rights when it's on the when it when it when it is when it uh, when it is fit to be brought on the mizbech. That was Rav Nachman's point. So we had a kasha. This way, Rav Nachman, who malmalash and Rav was kachim kalim shem amonah to be b'tzayak lili. What about Rav b'tzayak lili shita? Rav b'tzayak lili shita is that kachim kalim, which is one of the things that a bachar is, is considered the property of the one who possesses it, and that that's talking about the pasuk. It's talking about even when the base of mikdash is standing. So what's going on? We had a kasha in Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman said that when that when something is chazil akrava, you're not the owner. But here, Rabbi Yosef Aglili, what does he do with that opinion? When we say that the Bechar could be sold outside of the land of Israel, we mean that the Bechar came, when we say it could be sold, we mean that the Bechar came from outside of Eretz Yisrael. We're going like Rabbi Shimon that says it's better not to bring those Karbanas. Bechar ideally is only brought from animals born in Israel, not from the outside ones. So now we can understand the Bechar from outside Eretz Yisrael is not destined for Hakrava. In other words, he's saying the whole Rabbi Yosei Aglili, the whole thing that Rabbi Yosei Aglili says that it's your, that it's your animal, Mechayim, and even though it's, it's your animal, Mechayim, and, and, and even a carbon Bechar, and, 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 and the animal, let's say the, 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 the person would be able to be Mechayim, let's say a woman with it. That's only true if the Bechar is not coming to be, car, to be brought, it's brought from outside of Eretz Israel. So what do I see? That's where I make the whole, the whole thing over here. It sounds that Rav Nachman wanted his explanation to work like Rav Yisrael Glili. That's what we wanted. 
and, 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 and must be in order to do that, we have to say that the whole Reb Yosei Aglili basically is only when it's not fit for Akrava. Says the Gemara from Isa, it's like if we said before, we said it's the property of the owner even when it's alive. We're going to be forced to say differently. We have to be forced to say that it's just not like Reb Yosei Aglili. And the reason, the, this is again, just a over the Cheshman Agamara, make it not so easy. We had a Kasha. Our Mishnah inferred that Reb Yosei Aglili, you're the owner of it, you are the owner of, of the animal when it's alive. And, and therefore, if it damages it, you're going to pay damages. That's what we were trying to establish. We said that the Mishnah that says, if I'm a Kaddish, a woman with, 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 with a carbon, with the meat of the carbon, it's not because that's just even like Rebbe Se'aglili, because Rebbe Se'aglili only said it, Mechayim, that you're the owner, not Lachar Shkita. That's what we said. But the inference from that was that any animal, anything that Kachim Kalim, which is alive, Rebbe Se'aglili holds you are the owner. We didn't start saying it depends if it's fit for Akrava, not fit for Akrava. It sounds like we're saying any animal that's alive, even if it's fit for Akrava, you're the owner. But if we see over here what happened with that whole thing by Bahar, we had a we had a Bahar that you're, the coin is being able to sell while it's alive, and we're clarifying a whole shtickle tire that that is only when it's not fit for Akrava. If it's fit for Akrava, it won't work. Clearly, we see that Rabbi Yosef when it's fit for Akrava, holds that you're not the owner, even though you possess it when you're alive. So that's ultimately the question. When does Rabbi Yosef make a statement? We know that he holds Kachim Kalam, you're the owner. We, we're trying to say that's not Lachashkita, not when you're holding the meat. That's just Hashem letting you the meat. Elamai is Mechaim. But the question is, is it Mechaim even when it's fit for Akrava or only when it's not fit for Akrava? Before we were, it sounds like we were saying at any time, even when it's not fit, even when it is fit for Akrava. Here it sounds like we're saying only when it's not fit for Akrava. So the Gemara answers. Really, it's even when it is fit for Akrava. Every Yosef holds you the answer. What are you asking from Bachar? Manus Kahuna Kamrit. You're asking from the Bachar. Bachar, the Kohen gets it, not because he was the owner of it, because Hashem said he should get it. Shining Manus Kuhuna, because There, even when the Kohen gets it, he's only getting it from Hashem. So there, even when it's alive, when a, when a Kohen gets a Bachar, as a, as, a, as a gift, he's not getting it because it's Stam his. Hashem is the one who's allowing him to have it. So as, as long as it would be fit for Akrava, the Kohen wouldn't be the owner. There, that's where we said the only ability for the Kohen to sell the Bukhar is when it was not fit for Akrava. But if I'm talking about a regular Yisrael owning a Karban, and then he owned an animal, and then he said, this is a Shlomim, even if it's fit for Akrava, Rabbi Yosei Aglili is still going to say that you're, you're the owner. So that's the big, the big magic difference. If you're a Yisrael, you own an animal. Even if I say this is a Shlomim, but I haven't yet given it away to Hashem, even if I will give it, it's fit for sacrifice. But until I actually do the Shechita, it's still mine. That's where you can accomplish one with it. If someone damaged that animal, they pay me. That's Rabbi Yosei Aglili's opinion. Happens to be that a Bechor is a gift that I give to the Kohen. If I give it to the Kohen and it's alive, even though it's Kachim Kalim, the Kohen is only getting it because Hashem said he should get it. And then Rabbi Yosei Aglili will not say that the Kohen could sell it. Unless it was Lo what happens after I shakhted it and now I have the meat? There everybody agrees that the meat is only coming because Hashem gave it to you as a gift and therefore you don't have the ability to be a woman with it.